All right, church, our message this morning is coming from Psalm 46, so open your Bibles to Psalm 46. This is my first message since the coronavirus pandemic, since our shelter-at-home orders were issued. A pandemic is a disease that's prevalent over an entire country, in this case, over the entire world. 168 countries are struggling with coronavirus. Wow. Whoever thought we would really be going through this? Without a vaccine, without a cure, it greatly impacts life, our economy, our church worship. We don't have to be told about it. We're living it. In only two weeks of social distancing in our little community... We have people that we know by name that are without work. They're looking for a new job. They're looking for additional work. Some have received a 25% pay cut. Some complete layoffs. Some are scared, updating their resumes. Schools are closed, along with many businesses. It's confusing. It's scary. It's dream-shattering. It's life-changing. How do we manage living when our lives are filled with anxiety and uncertainty? We don't know if we will have sufficient funds. We don't know if the panic run on toilet tissue will ever end. We really see the future less certain than ever in our lifetime. This is really a tough time. How do we continue to love well? When we are so obsessed with fatal illness. How do we stay kind and gentle and grateful to those confined to a bed. A nursing home or a hospital. How do we stay loving when our spouse or the one we want to love in our family. Seems so stressed out and overwhelmed by the pandemic. How do we continue to train our children when we're ready to call it quits. Psalm 46 has been quoted in the last several weeks, at least in my circles, more than usual. It's perhaps the premier go-to psalm in times of trouble. The coronavirus pandemic is the latest in a long line of disease outbreaks that have wreaked havoc on our humanity. We all need a place of rest. We need a place of comfort. We need a place of freedom and strength and protection. A shield, a security. A place in which we can survive when it seems like the world around us is perishing. That place is called a refuge. Psalm 46 focuses in on God is that refuge. He is the deity for the distressed, for the dysfunctional. For the depressed. He is the savior. For the sick. For the sorrowful. For the sinner. He is the warrior. For the wounded. For the weak. And the weary. Notice the theme of Psalm 46. Let me show it to you. It's in verse 1. Verse 7. And verse 11. First of all verse 1. God is our refuge. And strength. A very present help. In trouble. Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And then again, verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our stronghold. God is our refuge. He's our stronghold. He is present with us to keep us. In the first three verses, we have a comparison. Let me read them to you together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Notice the comparison between God and land. God's our refuge and strength. He's present to help in trouble. Therefore, then it mentions land. The earth begins to change. Mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Waters slam against the banks and foam, and the mountains quake and melt and fall. Land is the most stable of commodities. Often provides us security, peace, and pleasure. But it's not personal. In times of war, armies seek shelter on the most stable land. In times of peace, most of us seek shelter in the property we own, our homes. They bring us rest, security. They bring us peace, and they bring us comfort. But if our property is our refuge, how secure will we be when because of a global pandemic, we are sequestered in our homes and the economy is collapsing around us? Regardless of how much time and money we put into building a fine home and a place of refuge, in a matter of moments, our property can be engulfed by flames, destroyed by warfare, or completely abandoned by us if we discover in it is a death-killing virus. This understanding is precisely the point of verses 1 through 3. Nothing on earth remains stable and secure. And though nothing on earth remains stable and secure, God still does. Though man-made stuff is left standing to grab hold of, when it collapses and it's not there to grab hold of, God still is. You can boast about your secure hideaway in the mountains, your fallout shelter in the basement, your debt-free home, your doorbell security. But God's far better, a refuge and a security than all of these. Our God remains longer and stronger than anything else that boasts of strength and power. Our God remains present whenever everything else has passed away. God will not be here today and gone tomorrow. Nor will he change or cease to be what he is. He is our stronghold, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Perhaps more exciting than God's presence and ability to be the help for us is his personal presence to help us. God doesn't just help us by proxy. God doesn't do social distancing from us. God becomes intimately involved in ministering to our needs. Did you notice the third word? Our. God is our refuge and strength. The God we're talking about who lasts beyond all other strongholds is the God who is present with us when all others have passed away. 
He is the God who initiates an intimate, personal relationship with his people through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. He is the personal refuge that is present to help us. Now, personal intimacy brings increased comfort and benefit from those things which help us. For example, a ball game. When you go to a ball game and a family member is on the team, suppose it's your daughter, your son, and someone hits a home run, the announcer or the people around you say, wow, look at that. That ball's going. It's going. It's out of here. Who hit that? Who hit that ball? And you're able to say, uh, that was my son. That was our daughter. Those little words mean a lot. Personal words, our and my, my, or this attractive lady comes in the room. Who is that? She's my wife. Or who's that handsome man? That's my husband. I feel good when I read Psalm 46, verse 1. I think the psalmist must have felt good when he was writing it. It's so exciting. It's comforting. Perhaps the psalmist was standing with his church family and an earthquake was taking place. One mountain after another was falling. One house after another was being ruined. They stopped to think, why are we still here? Why are we still standing? And the reason is simple, because God is our refuge and strength. He's our present help in time of struggle. A mighty fortress is our God. Makes a huge difference that God's just not here, but he's personal. And he's our God. The scene in Psalm 42, second and third verse, where the mountains are quaking and falling into the sea. It's not some hypothetical situation. Mountains have toppled before, mudslides and mountain slides and earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes are common in America. And there is now this pandemic called coronavirus. So where's our stronghold and our refuge in the day of trouble? There's no sufficient clinic or support group to really handle our problems. God is our only hope through Christ Jesus. He is the only one who can be personally present to help us when everything else is crumbling. The Lord is with us. We will not fear. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. Our God is not socially distancing himself from us. Our God is our refuge, our personal, present help in trouble. Amen? Say amen at home. Amen. It's exciting. Verses 4 and 5. God's not only our personal, present help. He's our persistent help. Verses 4, 5, 6, 7. Hear God's word. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. 
The imagery here is of a river inside the city. And God is saying he's in the river in the midst of the city. So as armies come against the city, it's like those nations that make an uproar, then they just melt away. Let me compare it with John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. Great passage. Look with me there. John 7, verse 37 and 38. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Again, imagery. Jesus is saying, if you believe in him, he literally comes inside of us and flows out of us, out of our innermost being comes Christ, that he's with us to always satisfy us and make us glad, we who are thirsty and dying and need his help. That's the kind of imagery we have in Psalm 46 of God being in us to satisfy us, to make the city of God glad, to take care of us from the inside out. Now, think about an ancient eastern city. It has big walls. They typically would build these cities by a river if they couldn't build them over the river. Preferably would be to have the river inside the city. That's the description we have in Psalm 46. The river is inside the city walls. And the reason that's important, because when the enemies would come to a walled city, they didn't have the equipment to get in the city. So they would seek to cut off the water supply or poison the water supply. And if that could happen, you would eventually die inside the city and they would win because you, you run out of water. You run out of what you need for survival. Survival requires a good water supply. Survival, even today, is often dependent on clean water supply. We can't wash our hands of this disease called coronavirus without clean water. Our city, the people of God, stands with a river in its midst. God compares himself to being in such a river to let us know that he is the one who provides persistent, constant nourishment for our souls in times of trouble. He is the one who makes us laugh and smile, and glad, and able to rejoice in affliction, so much so that our troubles and foes seem to melt away as they see the inner nourishment of our God providing for us. Is God in you like a river, flowing, nourishing, filling you with joy and delights? When we're in trouble, we may not always be able to go online. And attend a seminar, go to a counselor or a small group. We need someone who is persistently present to help in our quarantined quarters. That's the kind of care and love our God gives. On the second Tuesday of October, 1979, I was rushed by ambulance to a hospital for a collapsed lung condition. 
and I remained in the hospital for three weeks. There were times in that hospital that I cried because of pain and repentance so much that my ears literally filled up with tears, and I couldn't hear. However, through the pain and repentance, there was the constant awareness that God was with me. He persisted through it all, healing and caring for me, the great physician, even Christ my Lord. Now, on the second Tuesday of October, exactly 10 years later, I was in the hospital again. And this time we were rushed there because my three-year-old son had second and third degree burns on his face and his body because of a gas propane explosion. Now, I cried for my own pain 10 years earlier. But this experience, I cried even more. And there was even greater pain. And I cried out to God, and I literally said to God, God, you healed me, and you took care of me 10 years ago. But if you don't take care of my son now, why does it matter? Have you ever hurt that much? That you would venture to talk to God like that? What does God say? God says, whoa, 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 David. That's what he said to me. Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10. The Spirit cries out within me. I said, wait a minute. What is Isaiah 41.10 again? Do not fear, for I'm still with you. Do not anxiously look about you. I am still your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. God's like a river that flows out of me. Turns my tears into joyous dreams. He is with me persistently. He is not in some distant corner of the universe. He's not even in the corner of a hospital room with his hands tied behind his back. He is with me as much today as he was in 79, as much as he was in 89. He's healing me. He's reminding me that even the skin on the face of my three-year-old son matters to him. That's his care. And he never lets us go. Glorious is our God. Amen? Amen. Number three, God's powerful presence with us. His personal presence, His persistent presence, His powerful presence. Verses 8, 9, 10, 11. Come behold the works of the Lord, verse 8, who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Have you ever stopped to consider the, the works of God when you're going through pain? That's what the psalmist does here. He said, let's just stop and behold. Let's look at the works of God. Our God is a God who can destroy the whole earth. He can make a war to cease. He can end a virus right now if he wants. He can break a bow. He can cut a spear. He can burn a chariot. 
Think about the works of God. And then he says, now, after you think about what God can really do, how great he really is, he then says, verse 10, cease striving and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in all the earth. In other words, I will always be this powerful God that everyone ends up exalting. So what's our responsibility with, God, with a God that has that kind of power? Our responsibility, verse 10, is to cease striving. You may know it more popularly as be still and know that I am God. That is clearly not a command for daily devotions. Nothing wrong with daily devotions. But that's not what he's asking us to do here. It's not a command to be still by quiet streams and have a prayer retreat. This is a command to cool your jets, to hold your horses, to stop your stressing, to quit, quit getting all worked up and tense. And it's a command to be still and start trusting the great, powerful God as opposed to being frantic and fearful. God's in charge. It's not a time to be frantic and fearful. It reminds me of the frantic times I've had uh, trying to uh, dress toddlers. Have you ever done that where you're trying to put on a shirt on them and when you go right, they go left. When you go up, they go down and, you know, it, it, you're just trying to get this on and there just seems like they're fighting every move you make and at some point you say, would you just be still? Trust me, I got this. I've put on a shirt before. That's what God is saying here. There's times when we get all frantic. We, we are doing so many things, so many ways. And God says, would you just be still? Quit striving. Quit your frantic behavior. I've got this. Trust me to do this for you. When was the last time you let God do something in your life? Can't you hear God say, hey... Would you just be still a minute? Look up here and see that I have all the power in the world, that I could help you out if you would quit your striving and living as though you're living without me. Listen, anxious daughter, anxious son, friend, dad, mom, always trying to do life yourself. God's not asking us for daily devotions in verse 10. So that we get enough strength in our lives to do life without Him. Rather, He is commanding us to quit trying to run our lives without His powerful, present help. He's not telling us to let go and do nothing. But rather to quit trying to do it all on our own. Are we striving to get toilet tissue? Really? To keep a job? To pay a bill, to find a mate, to get a new house, to gain victory over sin, to save money, to lose weight, to work out a problem, relationship, or a financial situation, to build or restore a marriage, to be a witness for Christ, to build a career. Be still. Quit striving. God can handle these things. And so many more if we would commit them into His care. This doesn't mean that we don't make plans, goals, 
and pursue them. It simply means we trust God's efforts through us, not our striving without Him. Now, when you're looking for help, I do three things, or I look for three things. I suppose you do too. When I'm looking for help, I'm looking for the help to be first personal. It's so much better if the person who's helping me cares about me. Then they're not going to rip me off. They're going to really take care of me. So I look for personal help first. Secondly, I'm looking for persistent help. I like help to not just be here today, but to be here tomorrow. Someone that, that could, could honor the warranty and they care about honoring the warranty. They're going to be around to do so. So it's personal. It's persistent. And then third, I'm looking for somebody to help me that's powerful. And by powerful, I mean if I need help, I want somebody who can do something I can't do for myself. That's power. That's what we need in help. And, and God has all three. Always. All the time. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our personal, persistent, powerful refuge in time of trouble. Now let's break this down into some application. I want to give you five. Number one, seek God daily for help right now. We don't need to wait on more trying times. We cannot handle life. We cannot handle sin. We cannot handle death without securing God's help. If you haven't done so, you must ask Jesus to save you from your sin right now. Ask Him to come into your life in His personal way to cleanse you and to forgive you of your sin, enable you to live according to His Word and secure you in His presence for all eternity. Striving in your own strength Without seeking God's help, I can't say it nicely, it's just foolish. Christ can truly rescue in the midst of all our difficulties, and we must trust Him to do so. He can provide pleasure for pain, joy for sorrow, deliverance from bondage, peace for disorder. So seek His help today and every day through His Word through his prayer, and through his church. Number two, reject the notion that God needs your help, my help, our help. Because the truth is, he doesn't. We need him. Often we think the only reason we need to go to church or to go to God is because God somewhere has required us to go to him because he needs us or he needs our money. Psalm 46 has absolutely no hint that God needs anything. Certainly doesn't need us. But rather, it screams we are in constant need of Him. God does not need us to feed Him. He doesn't need us to clothe Him. He doesn't need us to protect Him. He doesn't need us to sustain Him. He doesn't need us to give Him air to breathe. Our significance, therefore, is not found in the work we do for God. But rather, significance is found in God's work in us. Let me say that again. 
Our significance is not found in the work we do for God. Rather, significance is found in the work God does in us. Don't accept God's lie that God is waiting on you. He's not. We need to start waiting on God for His help every day. If we wait on God, we will find new strength. Let us not let our irresponsibility cause us to neglect God's great mercy. It could be ours. Let us seek God as our refuge and strength. Not because He needs us, but because the truth is, we need Him. Number three. Let's rejoice and give thanks for God's personal, persistent, powerful work. Let's join with the community of faith that adores Him for who God is. Let's sing of God's help and strength. The fact that He does not need us and yet is willing to be so much with us and do so much for us should keep our hearts filled with inexpressible praise. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to be ours so that we would not perish if we just trust Him. God doesn't need us. He's willing to be involved with us to be our refuge and strength. Let's praise Him. Regardless of our circumstances, if we would take the time to meditate upon what God is doing for us in the midst of our circumstances, it would bring us joy and gladness. We need to sit in God's presence long enough to be overwhelmed by God. A lot of times people ask me, David, how how much scripture should I read every day? I like to read all the way through the Bible every year, but at the same time, I tell people, you know, I know that that takes, you have to read at least three chapters, 3.29 chapters, 2.9 chapters, uh, 3.29 chapters a day to read all the way through, but the program's not what you need. You need to read until you're happy. You need to read until you're overwhelmed with God. Because when you are overwhelmed with God, then you walk away from that time with God, knowing He's your refuge and your strength, and He's going to care for you. He's going to take care for you, and your day's going to be full of joy. We need to sit in God's presence long enough every day to be overwhelmed by God. And then, guess what? We will quit striving and we will start being dependent upon God. Number four, abandon our fear of this current pandemic or of whatever is before us, behind us, or around us. Abandon our fear. If the God of Jacob is our stronghold, if the Lord is with us, we have no cause for fear. He can forgive all our sins. He can heal all our diseases. He can resolve all our problems. He can conquer all our enemies. You know, there is someone who is absolutely not afraid at this moment. God. We won't always know why he does what he does. But we know who he is. And we know what it is He has promised us in times like this. Listen again to Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear. I am with you. 
Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely. He says, I will. Surely, I will help you. Surely, I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. With God's personal, persistent, and powerful presence, there is no need to be afraid of losing our jobs, losing our homes, one another being confronted by something we can't handle. In God's hands, we must stop being afraid. Stop it. Cease striving. Fifth, and this is the last. I'll end with this. Reject false security in things circumstances, or people around us. Going back to the beginning of this psalm where we put our faith in the security of land. Reject false security in things, in circumstances, or people around us. The main emphasis throughout Psalm 46 is to find our security, our rest, our well-being in God alone. God uses things and circumstances and people to bring us blessings, but He does not use things, people, and circumstances to secure our destiny. It only takes one little invisible coronavirus to shut us down. We're not secure in ourselves. Our security and our destiny are in God alone. If we do not have God, we are without hope in this world. He sent us Christ, and through faith in Him, we will not perish. Let us not get caught pursuing people and things and thinking they are what brings peace and comfort and security. Realize these things can be destroyed in an instant and are nothing to cling to for security. Cling to and focus on God for our security and well-being. As long as we are resting in God, we will be safe and secure and function just fine. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalm 46. We need such a word in such a time. Lord, we ask that you would enable us to refocus, to truly focus on you as our refuge and strength, our very present, persistent, and powerful help in this time of need. For those who are just living in this world without you, Lord, they're living hopeless, clinging to this report or that report, looking more to the Internet than they are to God for security. Lord, lead them to yourself. Draw them to yourself that they may find Christ, their only hope in life and death. Father, for those of us who have found Christ to be our hope in life and in death, remind us again of these truths. Strengthen us that we may be glad and joyous even with the disease floating around us. Father, may we be so overwhelmed with you that we know you are our all in all, our strength, our peace, our comfort. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.